This is the Black and Blue Report presented by ABC Insurance Agencies, a better choice for insurance. Now from Studio B or wherever the Saints or Pelicans might be, here's Sean Kelly. Hi again, everybody. Welcome into the Black and Blue Report, the podcast for Saints and Pelicans fans. Happy Thursday to you and uh, greetings from Studio B on Airline Drive. Sean Kelly with you and here from the headquarters of the Saints and Pelicans we're pleased to offer two good conversations today. It's kind of ladies' day here on the Black and Blue Report. Both of our guests are from uh, the NBA and NFL uh, worlds, but also our uh, female analysts and reporters. Uh, two very engaging conversations today. So I know it's, uh, it's not uncommon for us, but uh, today with uh, two delightful ladies in uh, Kara Lawson and Annie Heilbrunn, we can kind of label Thursday a bit of Ladies' Day. That's all right with us. On the Saints side, we're going to continue our NFL Draft Preview Series today with Annie Heilbrunn from the San Diego Union-Tribune. She is still on the Chargers beat, even though that team has moved from San Diego to Los Angeles. Well, sort of. They're kind of in transit. Annie will explain, and she'll talk about what the Chargers may or may not do in the top ten of next Thursday night's first round and what their overall draft strategy may be. Uh, in this kind of a transitional season for the uh, the Southern California franchise. I have a hard time saying Los Angeles Chargers, that's for sure. On the NBA side, we're pleased to have Kara Lawson with us today. She is an analyst uh, for ESPN. She covers not only women's college basketball, but men's college basketball and the NBA too. I was able to share a microphone with her on Tuesday night during uh, the um, – playoff series between the Celtics and the Bulls. We did the game for ESPN Radio, had a chance to visit after the game. I wanted to ask her about the NBA playoffs, but I wanted to also ask the former WNBA and Tennessee star about this year's Women's Final Four. Wasn't that fascinating with UConn getting knocked out, their streak coming to an end? And because she's covered men's college basketball so extensively again this year, she'll offer up a couple of thoughts about potential college players who may uh, be making a splash or flying under the radar and making an impact down the road with uh, the summer's NBA draft. So those two guests today covering kind of a nice range of topics. Here's the other thing about today. It's kind of like Christmas in some ways for those of us on the Saints side. The schedule comes out later on uh, this evening. We'll have that NFL schedule on hand. I know so many people in southeast Louisiana, number one, are just curious to see how it all falls out. But two, gosh, how many vacations and how many festivals and everything else are uh, hinge on this release tonight? I mean, over the years I've come to learn that literally when this schedule comes out, the NFL schedule, the phone starts ringing all over the city because people are trying to nail down this weekend for a wedding this weekend for Wooden Boat Festival up in Madisonville, or this festival in Algiers, or wherever. There's so many things that hinge on when the Saints are literally in or out of town starting in September, and also when the bye week falls. We'll learn all that tonight, and uh, you'll be able to get it instantly uh, on your Saints mobile app presented by Verizon, and of course New101Saints.com. I'll touch on it again before we finish up today on this Thursday. But again, the NFL schedule is out later today. You know the opponents. You know which ones are home and away. Now we'll find out which weekends those matchups fall and how many primetime games there will be. You get the idea. We'll take a quick break. When we come back, we'll begin our two conversations today. And we'll start with Annie Heilbrunn from the San Diego Union-Tribune. 
The future is bright for our New Orleans Pelicans with the addition of all-star DeMarcus Cousins, along with Anthony Davis and Drew Holiday. The time is now to become a Pelican season ticket holder. For a limited time, receive a food and beverage gift card worth up to $600. So don't miss out on any of the action. Call 504-525-HOOP or visit pelicans.com today and win the night. Staying informed before and after a storm is critical. Hello, I'm Dave Mason, Entergy lineman and safety specialist. Sign up for text alerts by downloading the free Entergy app. If the power goes out, we'll keep you informed with outage maps and alerts. You can also visit EntergyStormCenter.com where you can learn how we are preparing for the storm and how you can prepare. That's EntergyStormCenter.com. What's up, Black and Gold fans? This is Anthony Mackie, Seven Wars Soldier, Drew Brees Disciple. You are listening to the Black and Blue Report. Back with us on the Black and Blue Report. Well, number one, because we love talking to her. But two, because we've got to talk about the Chargers draft situation. And kind enough to join us. And now, strangely enough, from the San Diego Union Tribune, it's Annie Halbrun to talk about the now <laughs> Los Angeles Chargers, which pains me to no end. But, Annie, great to have you back. That makes me happy. Not the Chargers part, just having you. Oh, thanks so much for having me back. I always love being on with you. And, uh, and it's fun to talk NFL, even though they're... They're not quite in, in the place I live in anymore, sort of. So I'm sure we'll get into all that. <laughs> How's, let me, yeah, let's talk about that just for a moment. How sticky is it now for a San Diego publication to be covering the team that left the town and went up you know, a, a few hours up to Los Angeles? It's really an odd time. Um, we're all kind of facing it in San Diego. We, uh, like you said, I'm with the San Diego Union Tribune, and we have kind of a sister paper in Los Angeles. So um, they're going to take over the, the covering of it here. But the, uh, the funny thing is that the team is still practicing in San Diego. So you get, a, you get a lot of San Diego media that's out there just because they're still here. But uh, it, they're actually, you know, the L.A. Chargers. You get more San Diego media covering them right now than Los Angeles. So it's kind of the ironic part of it all. Do you think in any way, even be, just because it's still Southern California, that San Diego Chargers fans will stay with the now Los Angeles Chargers, or is this is this a breakup of a proportion that you know good riddance that kind of a thing? Yeah, I think just the way it went down, um, and because the the it's not that San Diego and LA hate each other, but there's just such a div- divide between the two places, and there's such a reason why San Diego doesn't like to be LA in that sense. Um, I do think that as time goes on, because San Diego doesn't have any other, you know, they, we've, we have the Padres here, um, but they're not even, their owners have already come out and said that they're not even in contention until 2020. They're in kind of a rebuilding phase. Um, you don't have, a, you've got gulls, but they're minor leagues. So I think that as time goes on, more people will find themselves just naturally gravitating back to the Chargers or, or the NFL in general. But right now, because of just the way it went down, uh, Dean Spanos and, and their uh, organization never saying anything to San Diego except for putting a letter on the website, I think you've just got a lot of bitter fans still, a lot of, a lot of angry fans. I, I'm, I'm totally with you, and, and I, will, I will reserve 
my personal opinion, which probably can be easily read at this point. <laughs> but um, so let's just let's just talk the football side, I guess, since Annie, you're still on the beat and you've been up to speed on the Chargers this whole way. They'll draft seventh overall in the first round next mm-hmm. week, and then subsequently, you know, down through the seven rounds. How would you describe the Chargers' strategy? Uh, whether it be through what was accomplished or not accomplished in free agency and leading up to what potentially here's the seventh pick on Thursday night. Yeah, they have so many. They do have a lot of needs. I mean, they've got, you know, uh, in the defensive backs, they've got needs. Um, offensive line, they could use another wide receiver. They, so they've got needs uh, across the board. There's also been talk about whether or not they'll start to find you know, Rivers' predecessor, someone that can can sit on the bench and learn under Rivers for another year or two. I don't know that that's going to happen this year, to be honest. I think that they've got other needs that they've got to take uh, into account, and I don't know that the quarterback's class is one that they are going to shoot to the moon on, if that makes sense. But Tom Telesco has always been, um, like many other GMs, someone who says he goes by need, um, or by, by the best player, you know, it's um, not necessarily by need, but by who, who he thinks has the most talent on the board, and then they can worry about filling those needs later. But, you know, when you've got to win now, it's kind of hard to think that there's not a, a a direction of going after what you need. So I'm sure they will. And, um, and I think that, you know, Malik Hooker has been an interesting prospect to look at for them because they do need help in the backfield, and they do need someone across from – um, that safety position, they've got kind of some older guys in there. They've got guys that who continue to get hurt. You know, they don't really maintain the full 16-game season. So they can use a, a good safety. They can use a good insurance policy back there. Um, they let go of quite a few people on their offensive line, and their offensive line was already very porous, had a lot of holes in it. So they let go guard DJ Fluker. They did get Russell Okung to fill in at that left tackle spot. But now there's talk of the center that they used last year, moving over to um, left guard. So you've got just a whole bunch of rotating pieces in that offensive line where if they can get someone that, you know, actually pays off, then they can get some real help on that offensive line. Is there a name or two that they maybe think will, or that you think, I should say, um, would be within reach, but it's possible that 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 player will be taken before you even get to seven? I know that sounds like a stretch with only six picks ahead of them, but... Is there a hopeful, like, oh, man, if this guy falls to us, th- this is it, we're gold? Um, is there that kind of a feeling when you pick as high as the Chargers are this time around? You know, I, it's a great question. I don't, I don't get that sense with them that they're, um, they've got, like, that dream pick. You know, I know that last year with Bosa, that was, like, their dream pick. You know, mm-hmm. that was – that was, and, and they were going to get him, obviously, with the way it went down with the quarterbacks in the first two picks. But um, they, that was, like, their guy. And I'm sure that this year I, – I, I'm not sure that there's someone in that top seven, that top six, that is going to fall where, and maybe it is, maybe it is Malik. You know, it, depending. But um, I just have, I have a sense that they, you know, they they get their eye on someone, and if they don't get him, then they go to the next route. Um, you know, Tom Telesco has been known for moving up. He's given up his fourth round pick. I, I don't know how many years now um, to to get like a to move up to get a second-round pick and this and that. So I, I think that he's interested in moving up, but I don't know that they would try to do anything in that first round that would be completely out of character. You know, like they, I think that they'll take their second pick if that's the case. Yeah. Uh, was there a free agent splash at all with the Chargers or what maybe you could classify as that to where, let's say they go, um, 
let's say they go less sizzle in the draft that they could lean back and say, well, you know what, we made our big mark in free agency, so we can kind of backfill in the draft here. Yeah, you know, that's the funny thing. They didn't do a whole lot in free agency, and uh, that's, that's the ironic thing here is they did get Russ Locum over there at that left tackle position. They got in a new running back, that, but, you know, it's kind of uncertain where he's going to fit in yet. Um, they just they filled a few places that were more, you know, maybe could be considered backup players or could be considered insurance on some end. But there's no real, there was no real filling in of stars. Now, they um, signed Jaleel Adai, who is one of their safeties, to a longer contract to an extension. And he's a real physical guy, a real physical player. He's a playmaker, but he gets hurt. So I think that um, their mojo the last few years has been to keep in-house, to go ahead and continue to sign players who have been part of their system, who have been homegrown, so to speak, and who can continue carrying that. But and, and that goes for, you know, they put the franchise tag on Melvin Ingram, so they've got Melvin Ingram. But, you know, they could also use another pass rusher because if Melvin Ingram is only a franchise tag for this year and then they don't, you know, do, do a longer contract after that, then they've got to have some insurance over there as well. So um, they don't have a lot of superstars right now, and that's the thing. You've got Joey Bosa. Uh, obviously, you've got the consistency with Phillip Rivers. You have Keenan Allen, but Keenan Allen hasn't been able to stay healthy, so they honestly could use another wide receiver mm-hmm. uh, because of the injuries. Keenan Allen has sustained, and if Keenan Allen is able to stay healthy, they need someone across from him that's going to be able to to carry the weight. They also lost Danny Woodhead, so they don't, and that was a big, he was a big piece for Phillip Rivers, so they don't have that um, consistent guy on third down. They don't have that, that, you know, guy who can be your receiver and and your running back at the same time and, and find those holes every time, so it's going to be an interesting year for them, you know. Melvin Gordon is on the upsurge, um, so he had a great year last year. But needs-wise, you know, they, they don't tend to make very many splashes, the Chargers. They're, they're more of a um, traditional sense, I guess, in, in a draft. They're more of a safe sense. I don't think that they'll do anything super crazy. But the one thing to watch out for is that now they're in a new market where they do have to endear themselves to this L.A. market, and they are, they are competing with the Rams. And while no one will tell you that they will make any picks dependent on that, I have a feeling that they're going to try to do things that are a little more flashy, that are a little more um, L.A.-ish, if that makes sense. So that might be something to watch in this year's draft. Very interesting. And you answered my next question because I I actually was going to frame it a different way, and maybe now, in light of what you just shared with us, I'm not so sure the question is relevant, but I'll, I'll, I'll say it anyway. I, I thought that maybe because they were leaving one market and there's the excitement of all is new and everything else that – they could kind of fly under the radar a little bit, but you're saying that might be quite the opposite. Well, that's and that's kind of the the funny part about this move is we just don't know. So um, that'll be what we're kind of all watching. Is you've seen them since they've moved from San Diego to Los Angeles, so they've started the, this process. We've seen them do some things out of character, marketing-wise. We've seen them do some things out of character that they never did in San Diego, but they're all of a sudden doing in Los Angeles. And, of course, that's, you know, again, on their marketing side, and I don't know that that's on their football operations side, but I do think that there is a pressure now. There's a pressure to, you know, be a certain uh, caliber team in order to compete with the Rams in order to compete with everything else in Los Angeles that is, going to be vying for people's attention now i don't know that that you know what, what you said i think is a great point as well 
they've got kind of nothing to lose. You know what I mean? Like they, they can fly under the radar. They're playing at the Stub Hub Center, which is a 27,000-seat 27, football stadium for the next two years. You know, like they, they can fly under the radar maybe for a year or two until they move into the new place with Stan Kroenke. And I think that's when they really uh, think that this is going to take off for this L.A. market. So um, it's a great point. I do think, though, that there's so much pressure to win now um, and for them, uh, you know, to try to endear themselves to this fan base, that I, I'm really curious to see whether they look at it like, well, we're just going to be in it for the, the steady, the long haul. We're not going to worry about, you know, the pressure of all that, or we're going to try to do something out of character to try to show these these L.A. residents that we, you know, we mean business. We're, we're going to endear ourselves to them. So that's going to be, Sean, the, the thing that's going to, we're all going to be watching just like the rest of you guys. Like, how, how are they going about this whole thing? Fascinating. Really is. Annie, of course, the Saints will be out there during the preseason. I hope that we'll get a chance to say hello and visit maybe for a few minutes come August. I, I would love it. I would love it. So make sure that uh, we set that up and it'll, it'll be interesting. Um, it should be a fun trip for you guys. And, of course, you know, we saw that picture of Drew Brees and Phillip Rivers over there at the, the youth football fields, and that was pretty fun. So um, it'll, be, it'll be great to have the Saints here in, in Southern California. Awesome, awesome. Annie Heilbrunn from the San Diego Union-Tribune. Kind enough to give us a little preview and a little insight onto the fascinating situation that is the Chargers. I won't even say Los Angeles. Well, I just did. The Chargers, Annie. (laughs) Take care. We'll see you this summer. Thanks so much, Sean. Take care. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Are you ready for a slimmer and trimmer you? Smoothie King's new and improved Slim and Trim meal replacement smoothies are here. Now with just 250 or fewer calories per 20-ounce cup, they're slimmer and trimmer than ever. Keep your diet on track and feel fuller longer with at least 11 grams of protein and 6 grams of fiber. Add Smoothie King to your diet today with new and improved Slim and Trim smoothies in three delicious flavors. Only at Smoothie King. Smoothies with a purpose. Diet and weight loss depend on individual needs, eating right, and exercising daily. If you don't want to miss out on any of the action, get connected with your New Orleans Pelicans 24-7, 365. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter for exclusive prizes and giveaways. Plus text with all the latest breaking news right on your phone with Pelicans mobile alerts. Visit pelicans.com for information on these great features. Plus sign up for Pelicans Insider with weekly updates from the Pelicans. Join the conversation today. We're talking NBA playoffs on the Black and Blue Report. Well, I had the distinct privilege this uh, week to work with Carol Lawson. She's won an Olympic gold medal. She was a college star at Tennessee, WNBA star. Now, all things for ESPN basketball, whether it be college basketball on the men's and women's side, but also the NBA, too. She's been kind enough to kind of join us here and share some thoughts about this wonderful time of year if you're a basketball fan. I mean, when we hit March... From now until June, Kara, whether it be the men, the women, on the college side of the NBA, it's like a feast. You can almost gorge yourself on basketball. It's what you look forward to all year long. Uh, Certainly being a part of March Madness, uh, being a part of the the women's NCAA tournament this year on ESPN. What a Final Four we had with UConn getting upset in the semifinals with Mississippi State, South Carolina winning their first national championship. And then, of course, sitting back and watching as a fan to see North Carolina come back and after having that heartbreaking loss to Villanova a season ago on that last second three buzzer beater by Chris Jenkins to come back the next year and win the national championship and uh, be able to to 
to complete that mission that they set a year ago. And now we're in the midst of what might be my favorite time of year, which is the NBA playoffs, a chance to watch the best in the NBA go at it in series form. Yeah, I'll ask you about the NBA side in just a moment. Let me back, back up a little bit. Let's start with the women's Final Four. Look, I, this, is, this is why I don't gamble. This is why I never know. This is what makes it fun for me. I would have never have guessed that the Final Four would have unfolded that way, and I guess I'm, I'm, kind of, I'm kind of not being direct. I should just say it. I'm stunned UConn lost. Yeah, I mean, I, I was too. I mean, this is a, a program that had, had rattled off so many consecutive victories, over 100. Uh, they had dominated women's college basketball in the season where uh, it, it looked like at the start of the year, maybe they didn't have the team that would be able to be as dominant as they had been over the past four seasons. But when you look at what they were able to do throughout the course of the season, I had them in their regional uh, in Bridgeport before they advanced to the Final Four, and they looked as dominant as they had all season long. And then all of a sudden, here comes Mississippi State, a team out of the SEC that had had a great season, one of the best in their school's history, and it goes to overtime, and little Morgan William hits a shot for the ages, really, when you look at that, the upset uh, UConn and, and go to the Finals. Let me ask you this question because you covered the men's game all season long, and sometimes, especially with my schedule, I may only catch conference tournaments, NCAA tournaments, so I I don't want to be too short-sighted when I ask you this, but give me some guys that now I should probably learn more about as we head into the summer in the NBA draft. Who are the college players that stuck out to you that – their game may translate to the next level. Well, it was a, a year of talented freshmen. And so the, one that, the ones that are going to jump off the page are going to be your Lonzo Balls, your Markel Fultzes, uh, love Jason Tatum and what he was able to do. So there's a lot of guys with a lot of talent uh, coming off their freshman campaigns. Uh, a guy that I really like uh, that's a four-year guy is Cinderius Thornwell out of South Carolina, led that team to the Final Four. Now, he's not going to be a lottery pick. He's not going to be a guy that, that guards a lot of headlines, but I think he's going to turn into a solid NBA role player. There's another player out of Creighton named Justin Patton. That's a seven-foot redshirt freshman that redshirted last year, comes as a freshman now, local kid out of Omaha that I think has a huge upside. He's a seven-footer that can run the floor, really athletic, can knock down the three-point shot, not a great three-point shooter yet, but everything about his game translates, I think, to the next level. He certainly has some growth uh, but he has a ton of potential. So I got a chance to see Justin Patton in person this year, and, and I think he's a guy to, to follow. He's a seven-footer out of Creighton that I think could have a really good NBA career. All right, good tip there. Right, let's get to your favorite part, the NBA playoffs. Mm-hmm. I'll say this. You and I sat in Boston on Tuesday night a bit stunned as to what's happened in the 1-8 series in the Eastern Conference. And I'm not going to trump up something that, of course, we worked on this week. But I'll say this, that headline now might be the headline of the week, even with all the other great storylines in the NBA playoffs. It's not the series that you thought would catch a lot of headlines coming into the NBA playoffs. Uh, I don't want to say it was it was automatic check for Boston, but you look at how inconsistent Chicago had been through the course of the regular season, just 41-41, and 41, and all of a sudden two road wins? I mean, two road wins against a Boston team that's been the best team in the Eastern Conference all year long. Been so impressed with the veterans on that Chicago team. I mean, Rondo with almost a triple-double in Game 2, Jimmy Butler and how balanced he played, 
Wade and then the efficiency of D Wade. I mean, this is a team you have to have them penciled in as a favorite now to win the series because they're up 2-0 and they're playing their best basketball of the season. There's a ton of other stuff to watch. What will you find yourself probably watching the most as we head into the weekend with the other first-round series? Well, I, I do love the Harden and Westbrook matchup, so I'll probably be watching a lot of Houston and Oklahoma City just because those two guys have had incredible seasons. They're two guys, even if they weren't playing in the playoffs, if they're on TV at night, I'm going to turn it on and see what they're going to do. Just so much fun to watch. You get so much value and entertainment as a viewer, and now you're talking about them playing each other in the highest stakes of the NBA, which is the playoffs. So that's probably the series that I'll be locked into the most this weekend. All right, Pelicans fans are going to be hoping that you're talking about Boogie Cousins, Anthony Davis, and uh, the Pels this time next year. We'll see. I'm, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic. Maybe you will be talking about them this time next year. You know, we'll see. You never know. I'm a huge fan of New Orleans, so that would, that would be very pleasing to my ears to say, hey, you've got a trip to New Orleans. You could take me around town and, and uh, show me some of the great restaurants. I appreciate it. As always, it is my pleasure to work with you, and uh, we'll see you again very soon. Thanks, Sean. The Bayou Country Superfest is coming to New Orleans, starring Blake Shelton. Miranda Lambert. Brooks and Dunn. Rascal Flats. Thomas Rhett. Hank Williams Jr. Friends are coming over tonight. And more. Memorial Day weekend, May 26th through 28th at the air-conditioned Mercedes-Benz Superdome. Tickets on sale now with Blake Shelton, Miranda Lambert, Brooks and Dunn, Rascal Flats, Thomas Rhett, Hank Williams Jr., Fred Eldridge, Old Dominion, and more. Plus a free kickoff concert, May 26th. For hotel info, visit BayouCountrySuperfest.com. Sponsored in part by Bud Light, the official beer of the Bayou Country Superfest. Want each show delivered right to your iPhone or iPad? Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes by searching Black and Blue Report. Good stuff today. Can't thank Carol Lawson and Annie Halbert enough uh, for their insight and uh, for their congeniality today. Good conversation. Hope you enjoyed the listen, and uh, we'll certainly effort to bring you a good one tomorrow. I know Cassie will be hosting. That's a good start. And then we'll uh, feature tomorrow Cam Jordan. That'll always be outstanding. I can't ever remember a conversation I've had with him that wasn't entertaining. Uh, Cam will be on tomorrow's Black and Blue Report. And so will Saints legend Stan Brock, who uh, we haven't talked to really since the fall, but we always enjoy Stan, and he's going to be here tomorrow to promote the Black and Gold Classic coming up later in May down in Grand Isle. If you like fishing, shooting, eating, live music, Good weather, all those. Th- if you like any of those things, I think this is something you want to find out more about, and you can do so tomorrow. Stan Brock, um, I've visited with him today. We'll run that interview tomorrow when Cassie hosts the Friday edition of the Black and Blue Report. All right, there you go. One last thing: a reminder about tonight's NFL schedule release. It's instantly available for you at seven central, seven central, NewOrleansSaints.com or your Saints mobile app presented by uh, Verizon. Okay, check it out. I know, look, I already know. Everybody's going to be glued into this around these parts. Whether they're a Saints fan or not, because it impacts the social calendar, everything. So, enjoy, and we're in a good mood all day here, waiting to find out that news and see how the Saints schedule uh, shakes out. 
All right, with that being said, we want to thank Fred Rucker today, who's uh, in Studio B with me, putting it all together. Again, thanks to our guests, and of course, you as well, for making us a part of your Thursday. I'm Sean Kelly. That'll do it for us in the Black and Blue Report. So long for just a while. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Black and Blue Report, presented by ABC Insurance Agencies, a better choice for insurance. If all goes well, we'll be back tomorrow. Tune in each weekday at noon central or at your convenience exclusively online at pelicans.com and neworleansaints.com. Follow your teams direct from the source. The Black and Blue Report.